Hey, how about you guys? Did you lose your power the other day? We lost our power. I think it was almost three days we were without power. A couple days in, our good friend Matt brought over a power generator for our house. Now, that was an incredible blessing. But the thing about portable generators is they generally aren't big enough to power up your whole house. So you have to prioritize, kind of focus where you want the power to go from the generator. Of course, it's not that important that your closet lights maybe are on. That's not that critical. Or your garage outlets probably aren't that vital or outdoor outlets. Things like that aren't that important. But at our house, we have a well that needs electrical power. So to get water, we had to power that up. So that's a high priority, a focus point. We also wanted hot water so we could take a shower because Matt said when he dropped off the generator that we needed a shower. And we also wanted our coffee pot. So that was a really important outlet. So you kind of focus, you prioritize power. That's really what focus is about. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes today is the importance of focus, proper focus in our life and how that really leads us into the things that God has, kind of the best life that he has for all of us. Now, the problem with focus is it can manifest in a lot of different ways. Uh, one way it manifests is simply no focus. Have you ever lost your focus? No focus. See, Paul, in this story in Acts chapter 9, he loses his focus. God appears as a light, surrounds him. Paul falls to the ground, and he loses his sight. Have you ever lost sight? Have you ever really lost sight? I actually lost sight one time. It was so crazy. Claire and I, we were at a marriage retreat, and it was early in our marriage, and there was a practice that we were doing. It was a communications practice, and all of the guys were going to put a handkerchief over their eyes, and then your wife, your spouse, would tell you what to do. There was a puzzle that you had to put together blindfolded. Well, before we got to that practice, we had gone out to lunch, and Claire had been kind of encouraging me in my eating habits. They weren't the greatest. I figured I was young. I was healthy. How important was eating well? So things like Hostess Twinkies and King Don's and, you know, hamburgers and galore, those kinds of things, that was awesome. Some of you aren't old enough, but back in the day, uh, before Applebee's, there was what was called Big Boy. There's still probably a few around, but actually where Applebee's is in Marshall, that used to be where Big Boy was. We were in a different part of the state this time. And I loved one of the items on Big Boy's menu, and it was called a hot fudge cake. It was just this hot, it was this brownie, and it was smothered in hot fudge with ice cream and whipping cream and pretty much anything that was bad for you, all combined. So we had gone out to lunch at this retreat, and that's what I had for lunch. It wasn't really the greatest uh, moment for me in being in Claire and I in our conversation. She wasn't really thrilled that I was having that. So I thought I'd wash it down with a cup of coffee because, of course, coffee on top of that was another really healthy, great thing. Well, lo and behold, when we got back to the retreat for this practice and the blindfold was on my eyes, we did the puzzle. I think we came in second place out of the whole group, um, which was a disappointment, certainly to me. And when I took the blindfold off, 
a conversation ensued with the whole group and the leaders were taking us through a conversation and I literally could not see. No kidding. I was blind. I was looking around. I could hear people, but I could not see anything. We were sitting in the first row. So I immediately had all of these thoughts. The first thought I had was, should I tell Claire that I'm blind? And I thought, no, I can't tell Claire that I'm blind because then she'll stand up and say, he's blind. So I thought that was a bad thing to do. And I thought, well, maybe this will just pass. I sat for a couple of minutes, still couldn't see anything. So finally, I just took the plunge and I turned to Claire and I said, I whispered to her, I said, honey, please don't tell anybody, but I can't see a thing right now. Fortunately, she regulated herself and didn't stand up and say he's blind, but we sat there and she began to pray for me. And you know what? After a couple of minutes, my sight came back. It was amazing. But you know, it's amazing when you have no focus, when you have no vision. Hey, I'll tell you what, no focus and no vision is not good. And I'll tell you another thing, that was the last hot fudge cake that I've ever had. Some of us have no focus because our life is just loaded with things. And I learned on that day, I wanted to be a good husband. I wanna be a good dad. I wanted my life to make a difference. And I began to really, in a very real way, realize without focus, without doing the practical things, I can wish to be anything. I can wish to be a great dad. I can wish to be a great husband. I can wish to be a great person that makes a difference in the world. But if I'm not doing the practical things that need to be done, my life will just be full of no focus. And I'll never accomplish the practical things that I want to accomplish and how God's designed me to accomplish. So I learned a great lesson. Don't eat hot fudge cake as much as I wanted to since then. I haven't done it. The second thing is, so there's the problem of no focus. Then there's the problem, and we see it here with Paul in his life. And it's simply wrong focus. No focus is a problem and wrong focus is a problem. Now, we could all agree if you read Paul's larger story up until this point in Acts chapter 9, Paul is a very focused person. Paul is a very educated, he's a committed person. He has focus, but his focus is on the wrong things. He's persecuting Christians. He is very zealous about it. He's diligent about it. It reminds me of a story earlier when Jesus is talking to a couple of his great friends, Mary and Martha. Maybe you remember the story. And Martha is in the kitchen and she's just busy doing all sorts of things. And Mary sits at Jesus' feet to have a conversation. And really, uh, it's a picture of her wanting to be kind of discipled by Jesus, to be mentored by Jesus. Jesus says to Martha at one point, because Martha doing all the housework and the kitchen things and tending to stuff. It's really, it's not just, it's not bad. So wrong focus isn't always being focused on bad things. It was good stuff that Martha was doing. Perhaps some of us are busy doing good things, but it's the wrong focus. So Jesus says to Martha in that instance, he says, Martha, Martha, you're just so concerned about so many different things. In other words, you've got the wrong focus. Why don't you come and join us? 
It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how wrong focus can make us sometimes feel like we're up to what God has called us to do and be. But the truth at the end of the day is it's just being busy. It speaks to this issue of needing to, I love what Dallas Willard at one point, Willard said, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. I like to say that's important because he said that's really the, according to Willard, he says that's one of the most important things in order to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry, especially as Americans, right? I think that's important. But I would also say we need to ruthlessly eliminate clutter, kind of wrong focus from our life, being busy about things that aren't that important. John Maxwell says it this way. He says, there's never enough time to do everything. In other words, if we fill our life with clutter, we'll always feel like, we'll always feel like there's more to do. But there is always enough time to do the important thing. Let me say it again. There is never enough time to do everything, but there's always enough time to do the important thing. Jesus was even more succinct. He put it this way. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things. Some of those things that we fill our life with or we're in pursuit of, those things will come. But if you really focus your life, if I really focus my life on seeking God, if I focus on the right things, not the wrong things, lo and behold, things begin to fall into place in our life. It's amazing how God is with us. Now, it's important because this brings up the question that we all wrestle with at times, I think, is priorities. How do I prioritize in my life? I think there's three great questions that we can ask when it comes to priorities. The first question is, what am I required to do? This is a great, just if you could jot these down, this would be great questions to ask yourself in determining the priorities of your life. The first question is just simply, what are you required to do? What are your responsibilities? We all have them, right? Whether you're a dad, a mom, a son, a daughter, you have requirements for work or requirements for school, for your education, maybe for the team you're on, whatever it might be. What are you required to do? That's a part of establishing our priority list. The second thing that we need to ask ourselves is what is my best life investment? In other words, there's a lot of things that we can do. But in order for our lives to be engaged, we need to step back at times and say, okay, when I'm investing my time and my life energy, where am I at my best? What produces the greatest level of fruit? And then that's where I want to invest most of my time. Where's my best investment? So uh, what am I required to do? Where's my best life investment? What does that look like? And then the third thing is, what is most life-giving to me? What is the thing or those things that light me up? And when we begin to answer those questions and we kind of bring them together like a symphony, it gives us this beautiful picture of how our life should look. Now, don't misunderstand. If you go just with one of those questions, any of those separately, it can be dangerous, right? If we're just living by what we're required to do, then life can just become drudgery and duty. 
If we're just talking about what's my best investment of life, and that's all I'm worried about, I can become the kind of person that bulldozes people and steps on people and abuses them or abuses my own life with the way that I live. That's how we can move into things like workaholism and just be unkind to ourselves and to others. Or this third question, if I'm just worried about what's most life-giving, I could live a life where there's nothing ever accomplished. The things that God wants me to produce, it's just like I go from one party to the next, and then I never have any kind of substantial uh, impact on the world that God's called me to and asked me, invited me to pay attention to. Which leads us to this third piece. When we talk about seeking God's kingdom first, and this happens with Paul, if we, if we really want to live a focused life, we need to live into the power of fixed focus. Fixed focus. There is a power in fixed focus. Isn't it interesting how Paul here in this story, he goes blind, and then he's directed to go into Damascus, right? And the story picks back up in chapter 9 here, and this is what it says. So he's gone blind. They, Jesus, he's directed by the Spirit to go into Damascus to a house. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 17. It says, so Ananias went and entered the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, he has sent me so that you may receive your sight, your focus. God literally is changing the focus of Paul's life here. It's manifesting physically in his life, but don't kid yourself. It's literally a life transformation that's happening for Paul. So then it goes on. It says, he, I, have, I have been sent so that you may regain your sight and may be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately some scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. May our scales, any scales on our eyes, fall off of our eyes on this day. What is it for you, friend, on this day that you need to focus on in order to seek God first, seek God's kingdom first, in order to live a life of fixed focus? It's interesting at our house, hang on a second, we have this old magnifying glass. You ever seen one of these? Claire's grandma actually uh, gave this to us years ago. And this thing would help her read. We'd go to restaurants and she'd pull this baby out and it would magnify the menu perhaps. And it was just kind of, it was, it was like a high-powered reading glass, right? Anyway, maybe for some of you, if you're old enough, or maybe even some of you that are younger, uh, one of the things that we used to do when we were kids, we would take magnifying glass and we would just, on a sunny day, we would hold it, say, above a piece of paper. And it's amazing that the sun, without the magnifying glass, without that sun being focused as bright and as powerful as the sun is, it didn't really affect the paper much. But put under focus, under a magnifying glass, you could literally burn the paper, it's amazing how your life and mine can be lit on fire, literally, by having a fixed focus on the things that God has called us to. 
This is powerful stuff. Man, Paul is such a great example of someone who is focused on the wrong things, who is living a life of no focus, and then goes through this transformational process of focusing his life on the purposes of God for himself and for anyone that he could touch. I love what Paul says later in Philippians 3, he says it this way in verse 12, not that I've already obtained or that I've already reached my goal, but I press on to make those things my own because Christ, Jesus, has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but this one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. I forget those days of no focus and wrong focus, essentially, is what he is saying. I forget those things that lie behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize, the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is powerful stuff. Now, some of you may know Paul's story enough because we pick up this story in the beginning of Acts 9, where Paul is persecuting the church. But he hasn't just started in Acts chapter 9. He actually, that we have evidence that he was busy doing this in Acts chapter 7. And there's a guy named Stephen, and Paul is a part of the persecution and actually the martyrdom of Stephen's life, which occurred three years earlier. And I've got a hunch that Paul might have remembered how much focus was important in Stephen's life. This is what the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 7. And think about this in terms of Paul absorbing how important focus is and focusing your sight, his sight, and, and my sight on the kingdom of God, on Jesus and the kingdom of God, how important that is. Because three years earlier, this was the story. And when they had heard all of these things, these things that Stephen had said, the scripture says, the people became enraged and they ground their teeth at Stephen. And filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They covered their ears at a loud shout and they all rushed together against Stephen. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. A lot of you probably know that that young man named Saul is actually the Paul that we're talking about, the same person in Acts chapter 9. And while they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this against them. And when he said this, he died. And Saul approved of the killing of Stephen. This is no coincidence that Paul loses his sight, but then when he gains it, he has this revelation of a focused life. May it be said of all of us that we are people of fixed focus seeking first the kingdom of God and all of God's righteousness. And I want to pray that, friends. I want to pray that for you and for me, that we would be the people, we would be the kind of people that are living with our eyes fixed on focusing on Jesus 
So, Lord, we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart on this day. Those things, God, the the no focus in our life or the wrong focus in our life, we pray that you would help us gather all of our focus together and be focused on you and your kingdom, that our hearts would be open, that our eyes would be open to you and your movement and activity in our lives and in the world that we live in, we pray. And I bless my friends and I receive blessing myself in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Love you so much. Look so forward to being back with you in person soon. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you.